Hey, thanks for rejoining us for the second part of this two-week conversation about what it means to find faith in Jesus. I need to tell you that I wrestled with whether or not I was going to bring this message today or we'd pause this little two-week series so that I could address the pain that our nation has been experiencing. But as I prayed about this and really thought about this message, man, I'm really excited to bring this to you because I think it is on point for where we are as a community and as a nation and how we can find real answers and needed breakthrough when we put our trust in Jesus. So last week, we began, and we, we started by looking at a, one verse from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews eleven six, and and there we saw a couple of things. First, we saw that we can actually please God when we come to Him by faith, not by our works, not by trying harder to like live better, make better decisions. We actually can please God simply by believing Him. How amazing is that? And secondly, we saw that He rewards those who earnestly seek him. To put it another way, there are benefits for putting your trust in Jesus. So over these two weeks, what we're doing is we're looking at four of these benefits for putting our faith in Jesus. The first two we looked at last week. We looked at first because Jesus is our Savior, we actually go from death to life and can experience new life in him. And then also we looked at Jesus because he's the baptizer with the Holy Spirit, that we're empowered by God himself. And today we're looking at the third and the fourth of these benefits. We're looking at Jesus as our healer. And because he is our healer, our lives can experience restoration. And then we're going to also look briefly at that number four, that Jesus is our soon coming king. And because of that, that we can live as people of great hope. So I believe that in many ways that these four different rewards or, or benefits really define what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Those who have put their trust in Jesus are those who have come to new life, are empowered by his spirit, are, are experiencing his restoration, and are filled with hope. So, you ready for these final two? Let's talk about Jesus as our healer. Now, if you know anything about Jesus from the Bible, you you probably know that Jesus healed a lot of people. In fact, in the four Gospels, which are the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and James, uh, which gives the account of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, in the four Gospels, there are 24 different accounts of Jesus miraculously healing people. Uh, He healed the blind. He healed the deaf. Uh, He healed cripples. He healed people that were covered with leprosy. Jesus even raised the dead. And scripture tells us that Jesus is the same today as he was when he was walking on the earth. So Jesus is still healing people today. Have you ever seen someone healed? I've prayed for lots of different people over my lifetime to receive all kinds of different healing. And and I I really believe that many of them uh, were blessed, uh, were encouraged, and experienced some healing. 
But I know that there's one memory that I have of praying for someone it was actually my dad, where we saw a miraculous, incredible healing. It was back when I was in high school, and my dad was an author. He was a writer, and uh, and so he was constantly using his hands, whether he was scribing something out or he was banging away on a keyboard. And believe me, my dad bangs on the keyboard. Well, his, his hands, his wrists really began to uh, be in pain uh, significantly enough that he finally went to the doctor um, where they told him, sir, you have carpal tunnel syndrome. And so what we're going to need to do is we're going to need to operate on your hands. And he described what they told him. And then when he came home and it was really pretty, uh, pretty horrific, you know, they were going to want to kind of scrape his nerves and uh, hopefully that would bring relief, but this would probably be something that would come back again in his life. And I just felt something right in that moment when he described that. It kind of made me angry that my dad was being confronted by something that really was going to inhibit his work and his ministry. And so I remember in the hallway of our home in the San Fernando Valley, just grabbing my dad's hands and just praying for God's miraculous healing touch. And I can tell you that without any doubt whatsoever, my dad was completely and immediately healed. And it was a lifelong healing. He's never had that uh, symptom ever return again. I, I will always remember that for in my life that I got to see Jesus show up as just I simply just prayed in faith, knowing that Jesus is the healer and, and praying for Jesus to heal my dad. I didn't heal him. Jesus healed him. But, you know, when I really think about healing, I'm amazed that Jesus really cares enough about our bodies to heal us. I want you to think about this. Every healing we experience here on earth is only temporary. Do you realize that everyone that Jesus healed eventually died? And uh, that's our story as well. So why did Jesus spend so much of his few years of ministry bringing healing to people? You know, was it for fame? No, I don't really believe so. I mean, Jesus is God. So he could have just simply had the angels with trumpets blaring declare his presence. God is on the scene. Jesus is here. I don't really believe that he uh, healed people for fame. In fact, many of the people that he healed, the Bible tells us that Jesus actually commanded them not to tell others. Uh, that didn't go over so well. Uh, it's really hard when someone has been uh, miraculously healed to shut up about it. They want to tell the story. And so Jesus would tell them, hey, you know, don't, don't, don't tell anybody about what I just did. But it says that they did. The second thing I wonder is, you know, was Jesus healing people to validate the fact that he is God? And Jesus sometimes did heal people while he was proving a point. I mean, there was one story of, uh, of a paralytic, someone who was paralyzed, his friends brought him to Jesus. And, but rather than Jesus healing the man, he said, your sins are forgiven. Oh, and man, all the religious leaders that were there were just ticked off. And they were like whispering to each other, who does this guy think he is that he can forgive sin? Only God can do that. 
And so Jesus kind of retorts back to them, knowing what they were thinking and talking about. And he's like, uh, I can't forgive people of their sin? Really? Well, then what about this? And Jesus miraculously heals this man. He gets up, picks up his mat, and walks out the door. Can I tell you, it is hard to to deny that Jesus is Lord when crippled people are jumping to their feet. Pretty amazing. But here's what I believe. I believe the greatest reason that Jesus healed people is that he truly and deeply cares about human suffering. When he saw the lepers of his day, people who were literally like the outcasts, um, they could not come into relationship, they could not be touched, uh, they, they had to just be at a distance, um, kind of like the COVID-19 positive people of our day, uh, was a lot more serious and was leading to many people's death. But when Jesus saw lepers, he was, he was moved with compassion at what they were experiencing. And at least once in scripture, um, we see that Jesus actually broke the Jewish law and came and touched one of those lepers to bring healing. Because Jesus cares. Another time when there was a, a blind man that cried out to Jesus and for help. And, and there's others that are telling him, just be quiet, just leave him alone. But Jesus heard his cry and he stopped what he was doing. And he turned and he went to just minister to this one singular life to bring healing. And please know that the healing that Jesus offers has never just been confined to physical restoration. Would you read along with me uh, this one little passage, just a couple of verses. They were written in one of those Gospels by a man named Luke. It's found in Luke 6, 18 through 19. And this is what Luke said. And Listen to these words of healing. It says, They had come to hear him. They came to hear Jesus. And to be healed of their diseases. And those tormented by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him and he healed everyone. Now listen, if you are smarter than I am and if you could read this passage in its original language, what you'd see is there's a couple of different words here uh, in the original language that are translated into English as just the single word healing. The first word that was used, uh, where it says that Jesus healed their diseases, well, that's translated as the word healing, and, and true enough, that's exactly what we would think about with healing. It literally means they were cured, right? Someone was blind, they were cured. Now they could see, that kind of a healing. But the second time that this word healing is, is read here by us in English, it's a different word where it says that those who were tormented by evil spirits were healed. Well, that's not the same word as the first time when it says that people were cured. This is actually the Greek word therapeuo. Well, and you probably hear in there that that's where we get our word therapy, which means to restore to health. So I want you to think about this, that those who were tormented by hell Jesus brought divine therapy to them and restored them to full health. 
Now, it doesn't say how these people had been tormented by hell. Maybe they were being tormented by spirits of depression, maybe of hatred, maybe of rage. But it says that Jesus healed, restored them all. Hopefully, I, you know, you get kind of where I'm going with this. Because right now in our nation, people are being tormented. And not only by other people. The Bible tells us really clearly that our battle is not with other people. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, Scripture says, but with spiritual forces that are at work against us. Now, sometimes those spiritual forces uh, from hell, well, they do show up in people's lives. But can I tell you that the solution for hell's torment of racism, of violence, of rage, well, these are not only going to be found, uh, the solutions aren't going to be found in political reform alone. Because we need divine therapy brought by Jesus, our healer. We need his restorative touch on our nation. And because Jesus actually works through his body, the church, we, you and I, get to be the ones who are working restorative, restoratively in our city and in our neighborhoods. In fact, it was just this week that several of us from our church had a really unique opportunity to minister the hope and life of Jesus to hurting people. And what happened is that the NAACP of Santa Maria held a rally this week in the memory of George Floyd. And I was invited to pray at the opening of this solemn event. So, man, here I am, so humbled to not only have received this invitation from Lawanda Lyons Pruitt, the, the president of our local NAACP, but I got to stand with her, stand alongside her, and to call out to Jesus. I got to stand before hundreds of hurting people in our community and ask God to ask Jesus, our wounded healer, to bring comfort, to bring grace, and to bring justice in our land. But what was even more amazing to me is that there were a number of others from our church family who were at the same rally just to pray and to be the healing presence of Jesus. So when I got home that night and turned on the news, much to my surprise, it was wall-to-wall -wall Santa Maria Foursquare Church. I want you to check out this video. Uh, it was the same video I saw on news that night. And there's three men that were uh, interviewed by the, by the reporter. Those three men are Griff, George, and Gilbert, the three Gs. And uh, why don't you just take, take a look and a listen. Again in Santa Maria tonight, where hundreds of people gathered to honor George Floyd. It follows more than a week of demonstrations and rallies across the country. Fox 11's Annika Abbott has more from Santa Maria tonight. Unity and solidarity. The focus of a peaceful rally for George Floyd held by the NAACP in Santa Maria. I love all my people, so it doesn't matter what color you are, black, white, whatever. It doesn't matter, but I saw, man, I saw one of God's children being victimized on national television. Participants knelt for 8 minutes and 46 seconds, the amount of time an officer knelt on Floyd's neck. It's a stark reminder. You might get people that care about it for a hot second, 
and then after that you know they go back to their regular lives and we can't go back to our regular lives our regular lives are what you see there are a couple hundred people at the march and rally today and you can see around me they're of all different ages they are of different races it's an extremely diverse occasion unity first of all and uh, I witnessed that today that uh, there's a lot of different cultures here and ethnicities and I uh, everybody has the same feeling about what's going on and, uh, and we're all tired of it uh, main message is unity and we'll never win if we continue to fight each other uh, we need to come together as, as, as a human race. Now, I can promise you that none of us who were there were there to make some political statement. We were there to make a healing statement. And this is that statement that the restoration of lives of our community and even of our nation is possible through Jesus. How is this possible? Well, one of Jesus' closest friends and followers, a man named Peter, he wrote this. It's found in 1 Peter 2.24. And he's speaking of Jesus, and he says this. He says, Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, Peter says, you are healed. And can, friends, can I just tell you, by Jesus' wounds, you are healed. Now, Peter wasn't just talking about some kind of a spiritual healing, and we do need that. But that healing that he spoke of, that divine therapy, and it's available to any area of your life and mine that has been tormented by hell. And those who put their faith in Jesus are those who open their lives to receive the healing, restorative work of Jesus. So, hey, let's take the last few minutes and kind of transition from talking about Jesus as our healer to Jesus as our soon-coming king. This is what another one of uh, Jesus' friends wrote. His name is John, and John wrote this, and he was quoting Jesus it's in John 14, the first three verses. And he said this, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. And Jesus said, And trust also in me. There is enough room, or there is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Wow, Jesus promised that he'll come again so that we'll always be with him. And I find such beauty and hope in that, that my Savior wants to be with me in continual relationship. I mean, I can barely imagine existing in that much love and beauty and wonder forever. That just blows me away. And Jesus said that that day is coming when everything is ready. Those were Jesus' words. So when is that going to be? Yeah, no one knows the hour, the Bible says. But Peter did say this about that hour that Jesus is going to come back. And it's, it's found in Acts chapter 3, verses 21. 
And Jesus, uh, he's saying, uh, says he says, Jesus must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. Now, while we think about healing, well, you know, while we're on earth, we know that that is only a temporary fix for our problems. But Peter is saying that there will be a day when Jesus will return and restore all things forever. So crazy beautiful. And what is that going to look like? Well, John had a vision of heaven. It's actually recorded in the last book of the Bible called Revelation. And I want to finish with just two snapshots of what John saw in this revelation of heaven. The first one is found in chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. And this is what, uh, this is what John wrote. He said, After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne, shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God. Now check this out. That word that John used when he said that every nation was represented around God's throne, that word nation is actually the word ethnos. This means that every ethnicity will be joined together in heaven, not separated, not segregated, but standing shoulder to shoulder, declaring God's praises with one voice. And notice this also, that in heaven, you don't lose your ethnicity. God doesn't make everyone one color. The diversity that is found on earth is reflected right there around God's throne, but this time in perfect unity. Can I just tell you, there is zero racism in heaven. Now, here's the second snapshot of what John saw. It's found in Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 through 5. And John writes, and he says, Look, God's home is now among his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. So not only is racism erased in heaven, but there will be no more death, sorrow, or pain ever. Now, if you've ever prayed the Lord's Prayer and asked God, for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, now you kind of have a picture of what that should look like. Because there shouldn't be racism. There shouldn't be unjust death. There shouldn't be the pain that emanates from those things. And can I tell you that for those who have put their faith in Jesus, this doesn't just give us hope for someday when we're in heaven This gives us hope for today, right now, right here on earth. Listen, Jesus told us to pray that earth would become more like heaven, and he wouldn't have told us to pray that way if it were an impossibility. So I can have hope because of Jesus that things here today 
can change. I have hope that God can break through that torment of hell that people are living in right now and it can change lives and heal lives. Black lives, brown lives, and even white lives. And I can live my life right here today, right now, without fear for tomorrow because God has my eternity covered. He's coming back for me. He's taken me home so that I can be with him forever. Be with him always. Jesus is coming back for all those who have put their trust in him. And that gives me great hope. And it impacts the way I live today. Hey, when you think of your future, your eternal future, are you filled with that joy-filled hope? Or are you filled with some kind of a hopeless dread? I think there's a lot of people who are living in dread when they think about their future and their eternity. But here's what we see in Scripture, that those who put their trust in Jesus not only experience new life and the empowerment of the Spirit of God, but they can experience the restoration and healing of their lives and live with a renewed hope for our eternal future. Hey friends, can we take a moment and pray together right now? Would you please join with me? God, we ask, Lord, for your will to be done right now on earth as it is in heaven. And we repent for where we've acted in ways that are actually in opposition to your truth and to your love. God, would you forgive us? And today we pray that you would remove hell's torment of racism and death and pain from our land. Thank you, Lord. And listen, if you are someone who is maybe even really thinking about putting your trust in Jesus. And, and right now, you just sense that today is my time, right now is the moment. Then would you pray along with me to say yes to Jesus? Jesus, I put my trust in you. God, I know that you are the only one who can save. I'm done putting my faith in myself or in the world's systems. God, I accept that you, through Jesus, have made a way through the cross so that I can have life and power and healing and hope in you. So today, I say yes to you and put my full trust in you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Listen, our church would love to partner with you on your journey of faith because it, it is a journey. It's, it's not just saying yes one time, but learning to say yes to Jesus over and over for a lifetime. And so we've created a little book. It's just called the Yes Booklet. And we'd love to put one into your hands. In fact, you can read the whole thing right on our church website. If you just go to sm4.org slash 
yes, you're going to get the whole text right there. But if you'd like one of those booklets, then then just jump over to um, our, our homepage, sm4.org, and you're going to see on our homepage that we have a virtual connection card. Click on that and drop us a note, including your address, because we would be happy to put one of those yes booklets in the mail to you so that you can have one and, and have it also to share with your family and your friends. Church, Santa Maria, you are loved. I look forward to seeing you soon.